Hello and welcome to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. My name is Mason and with me is the president of the Jacinda Ardern Fan Club Australia Division, Nick Bassett. Fantastic. And the man famously seen cheering on the Fremantle Dockers in a West Coast Eagles Guernsey last weekend, Kit Lushev. That's almost enough to get me to walk out, mate. <laughs> oh, I'm not happy with that. That's no, it's not a good one. <laughs> you've, you've got me operating at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning and you start with that shit. Right, right. Yeah, this is all Notice my how annoying. he never has to hide his garment either that he's wearing. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't wear a garment. And secondly, uh, talk us through the last half hour. What have we been doing? Mason's trying to it. troubleshoot his broken microphone and realize he had the volume turned down the whole time. False. That is false. I know. I've not adjusted the settings at all. Who hasn't? Who, who comes to the podcast with technical issues every week? Far out. That's it. That's my job. Talk about all the gear and no idea. Obviously, no one can see this, but Mason's looks oh. like he's got $500 worth of microphone rigging and headphones and this and that dangling from his ceiling. And he's uh doesn't even know how to turn the volume knob up. So that's where we at, we're at, guys. I'm not taking the bait. Put it that way. Not taking the bait at all. You finished your rant. Yes, proceed. What yeah. are you wearing, mate? Uh, I'll just I'll just start. Out. The Field of Design podcast is currently an audio only format, heavily discussing visual content. So with every episode, we include links in the podcast app's episode description, which highlights all the articles and images we discuss in today's show. You can also jump onto our Instagram at Field of Design Podcast for references to some of our featured content. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can via our Instagram, Field of Design Podcast, or our Gmail at fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com. Mate, I'm wearing a long sleeve <laughs> LSKD t shirt. That is a nice tee. Is it what are you guys wearing? Go on, Nick. I, I actually like it. All right. Are we ready? Drum roll, please. Oh, it's arrived. He's oh, got a Fortuna Dusseldorf Jack Tilly special kit. It's fucking arrived. Diehard fans of the podcast will remember this from, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, episode something. Some episodes ago. Tell us what it is, Yeah. Oh, Shark Tilly, Dusseldorf, artwork. Um, He's some street artist guy, so they hired him to do a jersey design for a special kit for them. So white kit with the uh, sort of cartoonish art on the front. Um, embroidered badges, Adidas stripes down the side, under the arm. There we My go. My favorite part is you, if you look on his arms, you can't actually see where the shirt starts and his skin. Oh. Yeah, begins, where, where so. the shirt, it's just a long sleeve, mate. <laughs> That's how pale your skin is. <laughs> Get some sun, mate. I play at night, it's hard, you know. Looking a bit photo shoot fresh as well. You had a shave and a, a haircut, hey. mate? Nah, oh, I had a haircut last week. Haircut. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, uh, read for Guys my review. Still a bit baggy. Hopefully you're wearing something. Well, very nearly not, but uh, we're going to have to remain a little coy about what this is, guys, but a bit of a elusive exclusive. We can't go oh. into the details, but what I'm wearing is very rainbowy, exuding a lot of pride <laughs> and maybe seen sometime in the next few weeks later on this Ooh. year in the NRL. Who knows? How about we leave it at that? Well, you probably know, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd put my guess on a yes too. 
anyway, that's that. We've got our first very nice Lushev. There it is. <sighs> anyway, he's, uh, he's shifted off. us. Why are you drawing us? on yourself? Speaking of arm color, tattoos, mate. We're uh, <laughs> artists. We're creatives. No, they are very cool. Very cool. Thank you. He's got it's all right, mate. Self, uh, self-drawn. Did you draw those ones and then get the artist to put them on? I don't think I've designed any of them really. I think there was a script run on my ribs that I designed, but I think um, it took me four or five weeks after catching up with you um, to realize. Is it was it a you got a Triforce on you somewhere? There's a pop culture. Oh, there's the Crash Bandicoot tattoo. Crash Bandicoot, that was <laughs> it. Which yeah. Went incredibly viral. Did it? Yeah, everyone was saying that it was fake and this and that and blah blah blah. So, yeah, the tattoo was fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Got a uh, death. De- de- I can see a Deathly Hollows on one wrist and a Triforce on the other wrist there too. So big, <laughs> big super fan of the triangles. And Nick's fresh off his uh, his first ever goal last night in footy. I'm told. Yeah. Just a 20 meter straight in front, you know, nervous as hell. Don't want to miss that one, but he slotted it, so we're good. Anyway, the amount of news we've got, boys, we should probably kick on. Sure thing. Let's go. So we're going to start with our general news, and then our episode topic this week will be breaking down all of the Indigenous round releases that have popped up. As Kit, you mentioned, um, we've shifted. Today's recording from our general time slot to a Saturday morning. Uh, so we're going to be covering a fair bit more than what we usually would. A lot of things hot off the press as well, um, short turnaround time as well. So hopefully we don't miss any between now and when this goes live. So we will start off with general news. This is via Instagram, uh, via James Pavey at supercars.com. Triple Eight Racing reveal number livery for Bathurst 12 hour. Triple Eight Race Engineering has uncovered the livery that it will campaign at the upcoming Licky Molly Bathurst 12 hour. Triple Eight will field a Mercedes AMG GT3 for supercars duo Shane Van Gisbergen and Brock Feeney, along with Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim. The 888 Mercedes features major backing from man filter complete with a striking yellow and green livery. The car scheme will also carry a mamba snake-like pattern. Red Bull and Paul Racing team uh, Gisberg and Feeney are the entries pro drivers. Uh, Ibrahim is the, what's AM? AM driver. What's that? Amateur. Amateur, yeah. I assume. Yeah, fair call. Um... Triple Eight scored a podium in the 2020 race with Van Gisberg behind the wheel. Uh, he'll lead the Van Gisberg, who leads the 2022 Supercar standing on the 12 hour um, with Techno Osport in 2016. He says the car looks great and will look even better on track at Mount Panorama. Uh, this year's event will be held across May 13 to 15. A nice looking car. It is. Van Gisberg um, is so dominant at the moment. What's that? Van Gisbergen in the supercars. It's crazy how good he is. Yeah. So it's a far um it's a, it's a far shift from what I recall the supercars being um, you know, probably geez, ten years ago now where you're just used to seeing Ford and 
um, Ford and Holden going around the track. Now we're getting a lot more of these uh, different brands. This will be the 12 hour, won't it, rather than supercar? Yeah, but it, yeah. I think it's all you know similar Link. as well. In, mm. in the um, in the supercars, have really shifted away from what it used to be. Uh, getting a bit closer to our neck of the wo- neck of the woods. Look, uh, this is via <laughs> Instagram and RaidersShop.com.au. So Canberra Raiders drop retro long sleeve jersey in 40 year anniversary range. You can visit that at the RaidersShop.com.au. Guys, did you have any thoughts on this one? Looks great, Ivy. It was good seeing the training images. Look nice. Yeah, we uh, we did something similar for Manly in terms of the the knitted knitted jersey accompanying the the heritage on field playing jersey. So mm-hmm. great job by ISC and the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders. Uh, Queensland Maroons reveal captain's run jersey. So this is uh, from Georgia Brunhams via qrl.com.au. The 2022 captain's run jersey worn by players for training day before each game. Pay homage to all those players who have worn the jersey. The privileged 221 who have gone to battle against New South Wales. Um, This article includes a hell of a lot of quotes from past players about what it means to... Um, play in the jersey and, and represent the Maroons. Um, the jersey released in conjunction with major partner Puma, the 2022 Queensland Maroons captain's run jersey is now available at the Maroon shop. Looks awesome, eh? Once again, for some reason, the, the Maroons seem to be getting better releases than New South Wales. So uh, hopefully we can win the series. Me being a Queenslander and all. Yeah, yeah. Um, from a technical point of view, I just wanted to note how well I think they've done that maroon to black fade. I think yeah. um, all of us can say here it's not the easiest colours to um, fade through to. Uh, uh, uh. And eh? I mean, uh, Manly seemed to have uh, done it pretty well this year, so how hard is it? Oh, who designed that? Come on, mate. <laughs> now, what what techniques do you use, Kit, to go from black to another colour? Because I know Mason and I have had to do a lot of experimenting with it. <clears throat> yeah, the thing is that you guys, um, uh, through your local production, work a lot closer with the you know final sublimated yeah. layouts and stuff that I do. Whereas I, I paint the pretty pictures and then give that someone to... else figures it out. <laughs> He's just yeah. the architect, Nick. He's not the builder. <laughs> I'm not in the trenches doing the grunt work like, like you blokes. He's just on yeah. his high horse here with his big NRL squads and stuff. <laughs> just looks after the proteins. That's all he does. <laughs> Mate, just let's arch- not get does, into just this. Just builds the architecture and tells the builders to put it together. Yeah, look, <laughs> like, um, fading to black, I think, in any circumstance can be difficult. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you've had experience with it and, you know, um, learnings from someone who, ha- who has had experience with it, you, you probably know the rules straight up and it's not a big issue. But um, for, for the science point of view, you, you're essentially, the way you're building the colours is you're either going from CMYK being cyan, magenta, yellow, key, key is black, um, going z- 0, 0, 0, 100, 100 key, 100 black, so it's 100% ink. 
um, and then you're fading across to a color. Now, generally that color is using CMY and then depending on how dark you want it, there might be some K in there as well. So if you can imagine that you're going from say 100% cyan or 100% blue, fading across to 100% black, there's a point in the middle where you're actually 50-50 um, um, or you're even going down to zero um, in the black before you're transitioning out to another color, depending on what that CMYK value is. So there's a lot of times where you get ghosting in those fades, um, which is where you might be having less ink actually being displayed or you're getting these yucky brown murky colors where you're yeah. black ink fading if out. You'll notice if, if, it's, uh, if it's not done right, simplify it. Like you said, you get the browns and some greys and basically a murky sort of hazy. Grey is a big one, yeah. Yeah. And it can happen just like with two opposite colours as well, eh? That's sort of an orange to a blue or something can... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's not just black um, that can do it. Um, and so from, from our experience, I guess not giving away too many trade secrets here is you just include some of the other colour in the black. So rather than it just being 100% key you uh, include some of that magenta or, you know, some other color ink values in that black as well to ensure that you're not getting that ghosting effect as you're fading through. It's a whole science on it, even outside of sublimation. So if, if any of those super nerds are actually interested, I encourage them to go and look around it. But, um, yeah, so circling back around to the jersey itself, yeah, I like it. It's a nice clean jersey, um, simple, effective, gets to the point. Um, but, I, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, uh, more cast or woes. <sighs> so um, this is a this is a little bit of social commentary, I guess, uh, via um, NRL jerseys via Instagram. Um, so speculation is that the Melbourne Storm have been wearing ISC manufactured cast or branded jerseys for the first seven rounds this season, with keen supporters, keen eyes, super nerds, Jersey boys. Uh, noticing some players wearing different cut jerseys in the round eight match. Uh, the investi investigative jersey community is theorizing that Castle's shipment has finally arrived and some players' jerseys do not fit or are not up to standard. Following on from this, it was revealed that Castor could not fulfill the Anzac merchandise order, which we touched on, I think, two weeks ago, guys, um, and all consumer orders were cancelled. As mentioned, the thread is included um, in the show notes kit. So it's super interesting to see, I won't call it the demise of Castor, but maybe the public sort of perception demise as such. Um, they went from being a brand that no one knew because they were obviously new to the market. Um, fast forward three, three years or however long it's been and universally I think they're, they're disliked for you know, the stunts that they've pulled and not having, you know, gear available available to buy and probably most infamously is, um, you know, what happened with West Coast and it still seems to be happening. So you want to just, for those who probably aren't aware, just go into a bit more detail as to what happened with West Coast? Yeah, so West Coast were, were uh, with IC, went to Castor and from what I'm told it was a fairly hefty financial contract um 
and basically the word has it that the gear rocked up at West Coast, the players' jerseys, and it was just atrocious. Like the the collars were bad. Apparently, it was basically like soccer soccer shirts with just the sleeves cut off, so they apparently fit like Hessian bags. And I um, a photo. A photo yeah. shoot. <laughs> literally looked like they were wearing a dress. So I think West Coast rejected them and um, told them they need to improve. And I'm not sure whether the the next batch that showed up was no 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 better. But uh, so West Coast have basically been playing in Burley Seacom Guernseys, just with the Castor logo sublimated on them. Um, now Castor has still done the replica Guernseys, and I mean they look horrible. So. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if West Coast go elsewhere next year. Not sure about the. Not sure. It's it's it is weird though because you keep seeing. I mean, at least internationally, Castor just keeps signing more clubs. I think they signed. Is it Sevilla? Is that the? Mm. And yeah, they've they've got Newcastle and Wolverhampton Wanderers, England cricket team. Yeah. So. You yeah. Know, whether just... they're just splashing cash or. It's exactly what it is, mate. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the money talks, and you see it time and time again, where people will put aside the reputation or not even do their due diligence because they've been thrown a whole lot of money. Um, I've, you know, seen it before multiple times, and this just screams arrogance to me. Castor have come in; they're promoting this premium brand. They're trying to in the Australian market. They're trying to align themselves with. You know, we've talked about the the premium sports brands, the bigger brothers. You look at who they've gone with. They've gone with Sydney Roosters. They've gone with Melbourne Storm. They've gone with West Coast, all highly regarded organizations and companies that don't take, essentially don't take the shit um, and trying to align themselves in that space. And I just am so embarrassed for the company. <laughs> um, uh, th- this is one of those instances where you you've had one shot to get it right and you've severely effed up, um, and I can only hope that they fall in a ball of fire um, the way that they go about operating because, for me, they've let the clubs down and they've let the supporters down. People aren't able to purchase Anzac jerseys. People aren't able to purchase supporter gear. Mm. Um, I nearly think if this was with Collingwood, I wouldn't imagine that Collingwood would have signed a contract with Castor, but if, if they were with Collingwood, Collingwood be, would actually be verbally roasting them. You know, Eddie Maguire would be out there trying to bury them. The, just It's, it's egotistical. Uh, it's embarrassing. Um, and I have not heard a positive um, discourse online about Castor anywhere. And the, the, the funny thing is that, when they first came to market, and even still now, they really tried to push that notion that they are going to be a premium sportswear brand. You know, they they spoke point of difference and how much different they are to each other, you know, each of the big boys and, you know, what more they can offer that the other guys can't. And to date, they um they delivered very little except for disappointment, right? So, yeah. Even their first major club, which I think was Rangers, is that right, Nick? Um, well, their first two or three years, they weren't able to deliver supporter gear. Yeah. Yeah, well, there was issues dating back to then. All you need to do is jump on Google and you'll see some issues, Castor and Rangers. 
and even the supporter gear you get now in the in the stores i was having a look the other day it sort of wasn't what i would have called up to standard with some of the other stuff that was right next to it materials were not nice to the to the touch and the sub almost looked a little bit yeah there was sort of white gaps at stitching and the dodgy subs so almost like it's been scratched off so pockets can only go so deep so i'm interested yeah. to see how long the company sticks around for before they rebrand or you know disappear completely i've uh i've i've just found a a release that they did this must have been maybe 12 months ago where they talk about what they can offer over the big guys and uh just to list a couple they've said custom designs and more input allowed less lead time compared to the big boys more agile in providing extra amount of kits and then they start to talk about incentivized growth model that benefits <laughs> both. Sounds like some Donald Trump political promises, really. <laughs> there. We're going to build a wall and we're going to make the other side of the wall pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Moving on, not getting too political. Uh, Jack Jumpers, open to share name with the future of Tasmania AFL team. So this is from NBL.com. Tasmanian Jack Jumpers owner Larry Kesselman has revealed he would be open to having conversations with the AFL to establish a club with the same name. As the AFL investigates the possibility of expansion into Tasmania, Kesselman says he would be willing to share the Jack Jumpers name. The AFL should come and approach us to see if they want to call their team the Jack Jumpers as well, Kesselman told News Corp. <laughs> We'd definitely think about it. I've exchanged messages with people I know on the AFL task force, and they've been very complimentary. How wholesome. <laughs> Big fan kit. I mean, is anyone taking this at all seriously or do we think it's just a chance for Larry Kesselman to get his his name out in the media uh, Again. during the NBA final series? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's just a bit of that. Any publicity is good publicity. Jack Jumpers are on a bit of a high at the moment. Uh, did they play last night? Does anyone? Yeah, yeah they got flogged. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Making the finals uh, in your first year there. They've done well. and Yeah brand is as good like we've talked about in the past so. yeah i can't see it happening but you know the theme is kind of still there basketball and and afl completely different sports but then you know, the similarities as far as the mm. the um the way it's played so mm. and it goes back to that whole different sports and the same sort of club titans mm. netball and league and stuff so it wouldn't surprise me if it happened but It'd only happen if there was a shared ownership type of model, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. All righty. Birmingham2022.com. The 2022 medals has been unveiled, uh, which will be awarded to athletes at the Commonwealth Games this summer. The exquisite jewel-like medals have been designed by three students from Birmingham School of Jewellery. That's their quote, not mine, by the way. The designers took inspiration from their journey that athletes take to reach their goal of competing at the Games and so embossed areas symbolising an aerial map of the host region's road and canal network have been included in a key feature of the design. The medal winners will also be given a box in which to keep their medal and this features the aerial map design too, providing a clear connection to the design of the medal. You love this kind of stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah, I do. You I do like it. it. No, they look they look good. <laughs> uh, what I would say is, again, um, links in the show notes for everything that we talk about. There is a really cool video in there of the manufacture of the medals themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 
I'm certainly, I love the hands-on approach, you know, working in manufacturing, the design and manufacturing process in the past at my previous employer. So um, there's, there is a sense of authenticity around doing the designs, but then also being a part of the build process. And, you know, I, I really liked watching the video. The yeah. design itself, yeah, like they're talking up some bit of stuff there. I wouldn't say it's the best design going around, um, but, you know, this stuff's all still really cool and worthy to talk about. Did you have a look at the um, the guidelines and stuff that I put in the, in the drive? No, mate, I haven't had a chance yet. Not yet. I, uh, I can't believe we didn't mention the metal designs when we were speaking about everything Olympic maybe five weeks ago. It's certainly one of my uh, my favourite things to see come out of, you know, Olympic Games yeah. and Commonwealth Games and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm a bit of a sucker for, for things like this as well as, you know, coins and, and, and that sort of stuff. So um, these are pretty cool. Like Mason said, not the best design, but it's okay. Um. Natalie Whiting via abc.net.au, PNG to make new bid for 2030 NRL license. So Papua New Guinea is making a bid to join the NRL as the competition's 18th team. The PNG government, along with local governing body, body PNG Rugby Football League and the country's Sports Foundation, officially launched campaigns to enter a team at an event in, in Port Moresby on Wednesday night. Key points uh, from the article, PNG is aiming to join the league by 2030. We'll face stiff competition from another Brisbane team, Perth and New Zealand, in its attempt to become the league's 18th team. The country last made a failed bid to join in 2009. Another Brisbane team? Is that on the cards, is it? Uh, I, there's discourse around it, but I, I think that's done. What Ipswich would maybe be nef- next off the ranks? Exactly. Would it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, bless their cotton socks, but I can't see it happening. Can can you guys? I mean, imagine trying to get a Cam Munster to relocate to Port Moresby. <laughs> I think they're it. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a bit like you know Super Rugby having the two Pacific sides, but both of them are based in Auckland and then in New Zealand, uh, in Australia with Fiji and Drua. So it's going to be hard to attract players. Yeah, I think they're in a good spot. With the um, hunters in the Q- is it the QRL Cup, they're in. Um, I think they're in a good spot there. You know, for the the purpose of this would really be a um, a growth exercise. Yep. You know, building the the presence and the professionalism in PNG to compete at the international level. Uh, and yeah, I can't see it as a viable option for NRL. It'd have to be, yeah, like you alluded to, something where maybe it's based in Cairns or something and they play a few home games in Port Moresby yeah. or some sort of arrangement like that. Yeah. Yep. Highly unlikely, I'd imagine. They do love their, their league up there, though, don't they? They do. Oh, they're a competitive side. I think it is, in that article it mentions um, PNG is the only country where NRL is the... Um, Official sport, whatever the title is, official sport, you know, of the of the country. Yeah, national sport. Yeah, national sport. There you go. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Uh, last bit of news before we shift over into all the indigenous news. Grace McDermott via Deadspin.com. So this is around the new XFL branding. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's XFL revival schedule to begin in 2023 after the former wrestler bought the league from bankrupt 
bankrupt Vince McMahon for $15 million following an inaugural season cut short by COVID, introduced a new visual brand identity earlier this week. However, it appears to be a complete ripoff of the branding of Together with an X instead of an E, Together Xer, a media company founded by multiple high-profile female Olympians, including USWNT star Alex Morgan and WNBA and former Olympic basketball player Sue Bird, to elevate women's voices in sport. The uncanny resemblance between the logos was quickly pointed out by Bird's fiance, Olympic gold medalist Megan Ripinoe, who tweeted, Welp, this is awkward. The only thing at The Rock and XFL23 are going to be cooking up is a response to the season desist and an entire new brand identity. Have you, have you had a look at that one, guys? Yeah, it's pretty similar, isn't it? Yeah. Have you guys seen the um, XFL documentary about the original one from the early 2000s? It's another 30 for 30. That's a good one. No, I haven't seen that. Vince McMahon was very belligerent about trying to get it to work and arguing with sports um, reporters and, and all this stuff. And it worked for a season or two and never really carried on, obviously. The XFL is, it. is essentially similar to in Australia what the Super League is, right? It's a offshoot. Yeah, uh, the NFL is sort of a monopoly. And then... There's always been other leagues trying to compete, but with the college system so ingrained in the NFL, I, I can't see anything else ever competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Was there any uh, any further news before we jumped? I think there was a little bit of late news, wasn't there, Nick? Yeah, a little bit down the bottom. Oh, um, the, the bottom. Maradona shirt that we bought up a few weeks ago, they were saying four million pounds. It went for... 7.1 million or whatever. So what's that in Australian dollars? 12 million or whatever. Quick yeah. conversion in the head. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> Woody headlines. The auction is finished and the shirt worn by Diego Maradona at the 1986 World Cup quarterfinal against England is now officially the most expensive football shirt of all time. The winning bid came in at a whopping... Whew, that's a lot of numbers there. US, 8 million... $924,589. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's when we talk, I know you're not <laughs> going to like this kit, but when we talk about NFTs, right? Like what? what's the difference now between <laughs> that and this shirt? Like why are you spending eight, nearly nine US million on a shirt? Oh, mate, are you serious? This is the greatest cheat, cheat player in history. Yeah, are you serious? You're comparing the significance of this physical item and all the history that, that it holds to a fucking NFT, which you just conjure up and log off. I actually was going to share a headline, but I couldn't be bothered getting into the debate again that NFT sales and prices are down 95% already. So He took the bait, Nick. It's not, well, doesn't we'll take, take much. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty good at your debates, especially your mass ones. This is from Upworthy.com. Nike will celebrate its 50th anniversary in May 22 and is uh, and its first five decades have been fueled by a desire for innovation and has changed the world's expectations for athletes and the gear they use to excel. So 50 years, wow, crazy. Yep. What was it, mid-70s or obviously early 70s and... 
have gone and become the biggest, haven't they? So yeah, I think uh, is it, who's the huge? Uh, is it um, athletic interest? I think on YouTube yeah. does pretty good video. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a million video essays out around. That one just comes to mind about it. Um, and from footballshirtculture.com. Oh, dear. How do I pronounce this one, Nick? Uh, Sportivo Luqueño. Um, just a 101st anniversary kit. I don't know why it's 101st, but I thought it was quite quite a nice kit. Sort of a blue out design, sublimated all sponsors logos and and stuff and some gold trim around the cuffs and the collar badges look to be sort of a they're blue on blue but that sort of shiny i don't know if they're heat press or or the gel but nice kit with the patterns in there and then the stripes and sponsors being subtle so sweet okay so Let's now move on to us. It will be our episode topic, but also a whole lot more news now around all of the Indigenous drops um, ahead of what is to be a uh, a big few weeks for um, Indigenous rounds across the Australian sports landscape. So starting with Western Force Indigenous jersey. So this is from Western Force Rugby. The Western Force is proud to unveil its First Nations round jersey to be worn against the Crusaders on Saturday, 7 May. With the Force incorporating an Indigenous design, it is home and away jerseys, staff apparel and branding this year. The jersey and the First Nations round presents a wonderful opportunity to celebrate and acknowledge the traditional custodians of Western Australia. Designed by renowned Nyungar artist Daryl Bellotti in collaboration with Force in, Force's in-house design lead Cameron Jones, the jersey features the powerful Mali, uh, means black swan, launching from the Durbal uh, Yarigan Swan River. The Mali is surrounded by grass reeds which grow around the edges of the rivers and waterways in the southwest of Western Australia. Each player, each player number has an intricate version of the Mali in its base instead of the usual logo. Moving up to the back collar, you can then see the Mali again in more detail. Finally, on the collar itself, the Nyungar words... Murich mm. Mali. Murich Mali. The term Murich means strength or solidness and the Mali being the word for black swan. With a clear emphasis on, on, on acknowledging the history of Indigenous culture within Western Australia, Bloody said the force may play here in Perth in Nyungar country, but they are also representing the entire state. So I made sure to frame the design to show the four corners of WA. So much of Nyungar's culture evolves around the water. It holds a sacred significance to it. So it involved the Durabal Nyungar and connect it to the Sea of Blue. Uh, the passionate and loyal fans... The passionate and loyal fans was fantastic. The water is the life source, much like the fans are for the club, which is something that I have noticed going through all of these designs this year is there is a big, heavy focus on the water, um, which I think is, yeah, whether that's, I don't know if that's um, coincidence or if, if because we're in La Nina, perhaps there's some something going on there in that <laughs> space. But, yeah, a lot of the designs are headed in that direction this year. We've had enough water here this year, haven't we? <laughs> There's more coming, isn't there? Yeah, this week's supposed to be downpour in Brisbane. I uh, I don't mind the design. That um, I would have liked to see a bit more gold for the the force. I don't know if they're trying to step away from that a little bit with their current branding. Um, I do know that Daryl Bellotti 
I'm pretty sure he's uh, worked on a, a fair few AFL uh, designs and stuff like that. So, like they said, renowned Noongar artist. Um, interested to see if any clubs will display the Indigenous flag since it's now been, you know, the shackles have been released and the, mm. the, the flag's been freed. That's actually a really great topic to talk about. Would it have been too late for this year? Maybe next year, but... Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, I uh, I <clears throat> was actually working on a, a lot of Indigenous stuff uh, when that all went down and the cease and desist started coming out of that particular company. Um, I think we had a, a, a license for a, an Indigenous carnival when I was working at Classic and a fairly hectic time and, you know, a few people couldn't quite wrap their heads around it and it got pretty dicey. So uh, interesting to see if the Indigenous flags start popping up in future years again or... I think they will. Yeah. Yeah. And and we probably, for for those who who aren't educated, I suppose, in that space, a few years before the pandemic, um, a company by the name of Wham Clothing, who uh, all owners and directors are non-Indigenous people, um, uh, gained the exclusive worldwide rights to the use of the Indigenous flag on any apparel or clothing or wearable items. Um, They did this um, contract with the uh, original creator and artist of the Indigenous flag who um, I cannot remember their name, but for the... it would be disrespectful to not mention their name. So I'm Harold going Thomas. to. Who is it? Sorry. His name's Harold Thomas. Harold, Harold Thomas. That's it. Yep. Um, to yeah, hold the exclusive rights. Now I think um, we'll, we'll put aside all of the, all of the politics side and all of the, the reasons and the purpose around Harold's decision and everything else. But the, the context of it was that um, the flag was not owned by the Commonwealth at the time, the flag um, through IP rights or artistic rights was still owned by Harold. Um, so they signed an exclusive agreement and then sent out a hell of a lot of season, season desist um notices to pretty much any company that they could find around um you would have to pay a premium to use the indigenous flag on clothing um in my it, a similar situation i was working with a lot of community related stuff a, a lot of pr- proud indigenous people who um did not like the fact that they had to pay essentially white people um, for the use of their symbol on their clothing. Um, and this went on for a fair few years. I think you may have seen a lot of free the flag t-shirts going around at sporting events and, and you know, a lot of athletes, Indigenous ath- athletes wearing that stuff, a lot of rallies um, around it. Anyway, cutting a, a long story short, I think it was late last year, um, went a little bit under the radar actually, Um the rights of the Indigenous flag were handed over to the Commonwealth. Uh, I imagine there was a large sum of money and um, arrangements in place for assisting the development. Um, and Wasn't it $20 million? I don't, yeah. I'd have to go and find the article, mate, unless you've got it there in front of you. Um, but essentially, it, it, it freed the flag, um, enabled anyone to now go and 
go and use it within the same laws and rights that you can use any other um, recognised flag within the Australian Commonwealth. Yeah, so, so uh, it was $13.75 million went to Harold. Yep. And the two non-Indigenous businesses who held licences got $6.3 million. So you'd still say they're out on top in that space? Seems like a weird idea to me. I would like to note that uh, one of the directors of that company uh, lost a lawsuit for selling um, what claimed to be authentic Indigenous um, items um, or authentic uh, Australian-made Indigenous items um, sued a whole lot of money. So Hmm. without getting into it too much and maybe losing some friends who I probably wouldn't want to be friends with anyway, um, you know, not nice people essentially the um just back on the force jersey would the uh black swan work well in the logo of the force as well make in an indigenous update yeah like actually just adapting the logo yeah yeah that's great foreshadowing nick for something that we're going to be talking about very soon what a what a um, bridge what an experienced um, way, I think they call that. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we've got to keep with uh, rugby union for a little bit longer. Oh, he's failed. <laughs> Man's not good. Hence why <laughs> foreshadowing. Anyway. Uh, this is from Reds Media via reds.rugby. Uh, Queensland Reds reveal Indigenous jersey. The jersey features a piece of artwork designed by Queensland Rugby Union future Indigenous leader program participant Talisha Harrison, who hails from Wurrunbinda in central Queensland. The design depicts a river splitting First Nation men and women as they meet and discuss their business as they would have over history. The pink and purple represents the women and the red and black, the men, while the kangaroo prints beside the river signify Harrison's home of Wurrumbinda, which means kangaroo sit down. Harrison said, I'm very excited to have my artwork on the Queensland Reds jersey this year. The stories my mum has told me inspired the art, and I think it looks great. I cannot wait to see the jersey on the field. Mason, what were your thoughts on the aesthetics of this design? I knew you were going to ask me this. Um... Yes, so this is where Mason tries to be diplomatic, but then remembers <laughs> that we're a a podcast that you know critiques, critiques yeah, critiques designs, and that's all this is. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> um, yeah, let, let, do, let's do you, put aside. Let me just let me just pose a question to you. Sure. Do you agree that there are you know varying degrees of successful Indigenous jersey designs like can we agree that there's aesthetically designs that look good and designs that you know don't look as good a hundred percent i do yep i I agree with you and i you know i think we've spoken about in the past around we we need to acknowledge here that this was designed by talisha harrison um you know who's part of an indigenous program for whether it's rugby union or the Reds or whoever it is, so there needs to be an acknowledgement there. But I, yeah, I also, you know, acknowledge that we're here to critique. Um, and from an art point of view, I don't like this. I don't like this jersey. Um, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, and I will premise, you know, we're all, even though we joked probably off air beforehand around our, um, our lineage. 
um, we're all white men here, right? Like, let, let's be uh-huh. honest. And and for us to be I'm varying degrees very... of white men, <laughs> Nick Nick mainly white, me a little bit less white, and you less yeah. white again. Yeah, I'm a man of Pacific uh, Island heritage. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so, New so Zealand's a Pacific I, Island. <laughs> so is Australia actually. I, I acknowledge that I'm a white I'm a white man critiquing indigenous artwork here. Um so what I'm going to do is critique just on the visual face value of it in, in that I personally think um if putting aside the indigenous stories, um that uh the the dot artwork as the main feature of in indigenous jerseys. Um, I think we're past that space. I think it's it's quite well overdone. Um, mm. I think it's oversaturated um, in the market when we look at what some of the other designs that are starting to come out over the last two or three two or three years. Mate, I think in your attempt to be ultra diplomatic, you've actually gone the other way. I think that's almost a little bit insulting to to try and try and dictate that. Um, I thought you were going to maybe criticise the colouring or something like that, which I could probably get on board with. But uh, yeah, that's, that's I, something I, I would I have think, questioned. I think the the hero of the pieces are always going to be the dot artwork. I, I think that is you know nearly um, synonymous with indigenous art. I think my criticism here is around the layout um, and the the size um of the work i think um and you know a whole lot of other elements that i think could have potentially been used again i'm not an indigenous indigenous person i'm you know not a storyteller i'm just looking at this from face value um of course there's always going to be a place for the the artwork but in in my mind when I, from what i'm looking at here it's 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 nearly the core the entire core piece of the artwork and i th- I feel like we're at a point where we're able to execute that a little bit better. I think had this been in earthy ochre tones, it you know, potentially be an awesome design. I think it's probably just those pinks and purples and reds that make it a little garish for me. Um, I have less of a less of an issue yeah. with the overwhelming dot art. Question I'd sort of like to know is, yeah, you say it's the men and women meeting across the river is red and pink traditional colors used because there are other symbols to represent the the genders we've worked with before yeah from my point of view where i really don't want to critique is the the story the storytelling yeah. portions of it you know i'm not an indigenous person so what one people's symbols are for men and women could be completely different yeah, for that's right, different. other people's symbols right. you know in my experience i've never seen representation of pink dots um in, you know, red. I, I will say that i have worked with indigenous artists before on indigenous designs i'm not saying that i've worked with everyone and all different peoples but you know in my experience i haven't experienced yet yeah, pink dots representing women and blue or red or whatever color dots representing yeah. and like like you say i'm you know two years into living here and knowing anything about indigenous artwork so this very small stuff i've learned um yeah i'd ask the question is is that a traditional 
representation or or whatever. Mm. Before we proceed, Mason, can I just clarify, are you an Indigenous person? No, I'm not an Indigenous person, in case you you just weren't quite sure. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the next design, though. Yeah, so this is from Nathan Williamson at rugby.com.au, Wallaroos First Nation jersey. The Wallaroos have unveiled their First Nations jersey set to be worn during their clash with Japan on May 10. The jersey is designed by Nungar artist Santil Walsh, depicting the connection between the women and their spirit, as well as connecting with the dream time and overcoming barriers. It will be the first time in program history they will wear a First Nations kit, which culminate a week of celebrating First Nation culture on the Gold Coast during the Wallaroos Road to New Zealand series. I think this is the best Wallabies jersey or Wallaroos jersey that's come out in the last few years. This is uh, this is potentially my favourite Indigenous design. Yeah. And um, this year like mixed, or ever? Well, <laughs> one of the best I've seen, I reckon. And I see no reason why... And I think you guys have alluded to and said as much that this shouldn't just be what the Wallaroos and Wallabies play in all the time. Yeah. Um, we certainly had a conversation uh, last night. I was at the Reds game and had a similar conversation um, about you know that 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 exact thing. Uh, I think this looks awesome. Eh? Yeah, I've always been a big fan of that like sort of solid color f- revealing the pattern as well. I don't know. That's just something I gravitate towards. Um, the obviously the away jersey for the Wallabies is, I guess, permanently an Indigenous design now. But they go to the the bottle green to the white fade. I'd rather probably see it be yellow. But yeah, this is so much better. Yeah, this looks. When you have green to white, you just get Nigerian vibes. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Or at least you, you have the white in there, but make the sort of main. Fade go to the yellow or the gold. I think I think we probably need to break down this one just a little bit as to what I see as a well constructed jersey. So we've got mm. the fade coming just below the major sponsor in Build Corp. So they've really you know taken consideration for having that major sponsor there. We've got tonal um, you know hard what I guess where they're calling now the Wallabies gold on a um, more watermarked softer yellow in there as well for some of that indigenous artwork yep. and then we're using um the green from the, the the higher end of the fade through um some of the major points of the indigenous artwork along the bottom and then as as we're fading up that green kind of fades in um and that artwork disappears so the, the structure in which they've done there is um you know built built around the jersey with the gold logos uh along the top white build corp i think it's extremely well executed yeah. and the artwork you know is magnificent in my mind something i'd probably critique very small critique is the fade doesn't quite look smooth um i think you could sort of curve the sort of strength of the fade as it goes rather than it almost just looks like you haven't sort of smoothed it the transition itself yeah. isn't yeah quite right yeah, it's hard to explain what I mean. What I love is the uh, the the tonal tonal yellow designs at the very base of the yep. jersey, just top it off. Yeah, yeah, the class. And and, and you, I'm probably 
you know, this is emulating what both of our points were before Kit on the Reds one is executing the design in a slightly better way rather than just throwing it all out there, right? Well, can I tell you what I see and not necessarily referencing this jersey or the, the Reds one we previously spoke about, but, and you may be aware of this, is what you'll find is that there's designs that are designed to go on a jersey specifically. And yep. then there are Indigenous canvases that you're presented and told to incorporate onto a jersey. So mm-hmm. this to me screams, as you've alluded to, Mason, seems very much that this was designed to be on a jersey, whereas other designs you sort of get the feeling that it's a, a big canvas as a whole and then you've been told to incorporate that. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, this is great work. I love it. I'd, yep. I, in fact, I, I'd buy this. Yeah. Um, just on the technicality of the jersey as well, I've never seen the Asics neckline look as good as that as well. That neckline they use, I've never liked, but on this they've made it work. I like it on the Broncos jerseys. I, I've never liked it. I I nearly wonder, is it reversed? Is there something different about it where it's just that usually that central key, yeah. whereas the other way around, the, the, the polarizing, not polarizing, the opposite color is the actual yeah usually the whole collar is sort of a different color on the wallabies jersey and then on the Springboks jersey it's gold with white sort of central color um and mm. it never quite looked as good as this just with the yellow center and then the collar being the same color as the jersey yeah fantastic this, i think this is a um this is a potential of you know, we're going to have some awards later in the year. I think this is potential up there for, for winning, in my mind. It'll be on the list. On the list. Okay. Oh, moving, on. moving on. MelbourneFC.com.au, Melbourne Demons Indigenous Branding. Melbourne Football Club will rebrand itself as NAM, NAM Football Club for the 2022 AFL Sir Douglas Nichols Round and AFL Indigenous Round Celebrations. Nam, the Aboriginal name for Melbourne, comes from Wurrung, the language spoken by the traditional owners of the city and its surrounds. The initiative is one of more than two years in the making, where the club worked closely with the Warren, sorry, Warrandunjuri Warrung Cultural Heritage Aboriginal Corporation to gain invaluable knowledge and permission of Nam's use. Alongside celebrating and educating on Australia's Indigenous history, the rebranding is designed to generate awareness and encouraging productive conversations among the Demons members and supporter base. The club will introduce a representative NAM football club logo, which will take pride of place across all digital touchpoints, including websites, social media and broadcasts throughout their respective rounds. The NAM branding will then be integrated in stadium for Melbourne's Round 11 AFL match at the MCG as part of Sir Doug Nichols' round. Melbourne intends to continue this in Sir Doug Nichols round in and AFLW Indigenous round moving forward beyond 2022. Okay, uh, I'm going to fire this one back at you now, Kit, to get your thoughts on it, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, a bit of a. I don't hate the. I don't hate the idea, but a little bit of a sort of token gesture. Um, where it loses me is like I'm looking at the the the, the Guernsey, which I, I think you're going to speak about next. On the locker l- label, it doesn't even have the Nam logo there. Like they've got the full club logo. So I mean, they're talking about a one week logo change, but 
you know, we're not really going to see it in principle that much. It's not shown on the on the Guernsey or anything like that. All they've really done is just said to the broadcasters, oh, can you present this logo for one game as opposed to a regular one? Um, <clears throat> I love the little reveal, the animated reveal of the, the NAM logo. I thought that was really cool. A little bit sort of lost at why the text is the way it is. Like, that, you know, it doesn't have the curve of the original Melbourne logo and it looks like they've got some indigenous design of behind the text. So from a distance, it just looks like five squares. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I'll first off start by saying I love, I actually really love this. I think I, when this came out, I messaged you guys you know, near straight away. Um, I, I love what they're doing here um, from a, uh, execution point of view, I think, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why the, the NAM text is not curved. I think they needed to get away from including the, the detail in between the um, ligatures. Is that yeah. the right term for font? Can't remember. Um, the spacing between the letters. Um, for me, I think this is just the first step. Um, now, I'm, I may have alluded in the past, there was uh, rumor mill swirling around a couple of years ago when uh, the two new clubs were entering the A-League, the, the Western United and MacArthur. Now, I can't remember which one it is, but I know that there were serious conversations taking place for one of those clubs as to whether they actually just formally name themselves using the Indigenous location of um, where they resided rather than Western United or MacArthur, wh whichever one it was. Um, again, all, all hearsay rumors, but, you know, I think I had it on relatively good, um, sources. Um, and, and I nearly think this is just the first step. This is the efforts around, you know, doing some more reconciliation. And I, I believe this is probably part of their reconciliation action plan, um, around doing more in that space. Um, I think that there's a lot of politics in play as far as, well, you can't just change the name of Melbourne Football Club. Um, but I would probably say over time this will expand outside of outside of what you're suggesting is oh, it's going to be on the, the digital, digital touch points and maybe around the stadium um, to perhaps long-term being, you know, I wouldn't go as far to say maybe NAM Melbourne FC. Um, but I, yeah, I think these are just slow steps and the effort is being made to, to broaden that space. Um, on the, the Guernsey itself, who, who knows, you know, you, Kit, you, you work in that space as well. It could come down to the supplier saying, well, we've already got a two, two million tags sitting there waiting. We're not going to have the capacity, you know, to, to supply these ones at, with the new branding on it, I don't know. Can't imagine that NAM logo would weave or embroider too well with all that going on behind the text just quietly. But yeah, yeah, um, I agree with you, Kit. Though that that um, video reveal was quite cool, eh? Um, that was awesome. I'm almost like to see some of that incorporated in this logo with the the background sort of designs they had in it. Yeah, if it's gonna only be on the sort of bigger media and and not on small little things then you can include a bit more design in behind the word mark i guess you call it the the letters yeah i think this is just the start i think that you know they talk in the article there you know that it's 
it's been two years in the making or something like that. I think, you know, we're going to see a hell of a lot more of it over the, you know, maybe from, from Melbourne Football Club over the next year or two. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of other clubs are finally going to, um, you know, follow suit. Shall we then shift over to the uh, Guernsey itself? So yeah. uh, Nam is at the heart of Melbourne's 2022 Indigenous Guernsey. Now, this article is quite long, so I just encourage everyone to go to the show notes and, and read. It goes into detail around the entire artwork. Um, so I just encourage everyone to go to links for that. So Nam is at the heart of Melbourne's 2022 Indigenous Guernsey, paying respect to the region and the club calls home this year. Design tells a story of... Or injury culture with reference to community, connection, and everlasting spirit. The Guernsey, which was designed by Warren Jury, sorry, Warren Jerry Jaja Warren artist Kaya Nicholson Ward, and produced by New Balance, will proudly be worn during the 2022 AFL Sir Douglas Nickel round, as well as next season's AFLW Indigenous round. Um, it will mark the first time in the club's history that both men and women teams have pulled on the same design for their respective Indigenous round celebrations when Melbourne take on the name NAM Football Club. Kaya shared the story behind the Guernsey, which is inspired by Warren Jury culture. Again, please go view the link. Any more on the the, the Guernsey guys? Perhaps one of my favourites. And Melbourne always do it well, but that, that that sky where they've incorporated the royal and navy of the, the club colours, um, yeah, that is awesome. And in particular, the long sleeve, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that, yeah. but the longy really shows it off awesomely. It does. I think this is another one that looks like it's been designed for the jersey too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've never actually seen the sort of night sky star sort of stuff used in indigenous artwork so that's that's really cool seeing something new i think the lions did one a few years ago which was yeah um, okay pretty cool you should know being a member but yeah anyway. i don't know new new, <laughs> new to the country mate <laughs> essendon indigenous guernsey this is from essendonfc.com.au essendon have proudly launched its 2022 under armor dreamtime guernsey which will be worn in the annual dreamtime at the g blockbuster in sir doug sir doug nichols round designed by star forward anthony mcdonald tippen woody the feet represent the bombers past first nation players with the striking design also depicting the pathway and journey through different terrains and lands to the nec hangar at uh, our central meeting place this the center place the center places the Essendon family players, coaches and staff in the circle, while the words faith, freedom and family on the inside of the Guernsey are important pillars in McDonald Tippenwoody's life. Another great design. Fantastic. Um, and Essendon also have done it done it really well for a few years. I think um what we're seeing is your club's palette can have such an impact on how well you do these designs, right? For yep. sure. Yeah, that red and black, it's it's hard to not have such a striking design. And especially the last couple of years, Essendon's really played with sort of having, you know, some slight sort of gradients and stuff that really, um, you know, hero certain parts of the design. So big tick from me. And uh, who doesn't love Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody? Right. Yeah, the, uh, exactly. This jersey's um, about him too. already only got small and medium available in the shop too. Every other size sold out. So it's going... Going quick. Some 
some points that I just want to make. And um, yeah, I'm a, I love it. I, you know, we talk about ones that you might want to buy. This is probably up there for me. Um, do need to look at that fade. I think we talked about it earlier in the podcast, that black or red fade probably on the images that we're looking at is, um, you know, not executed in the same vein. Yeah, a little bit of ghosting we were, there. I was going to yeah, ghosting in there. bring that up. And, um, man, the AFL need to look at that, um, the, the dream time at the G logo. I think they've been, you know, tweaking that for a few years now, but, um, God, we've got to get to a point where we've just got a formal official logo for that which um, probably probably a topic for another time, but I do recall the AFL were going through a rebranding process just before the pandemic, which you know I imagine is definitely on hold at this stage from a costs point of view. But I do like that the AFL logo is monotone on that design rather than the blue and red one, which they've done previously. I think that's yeah, yeah, pretty cool at least. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, what a great logo! Uh, what a great Guernsey that is. Uh, and so the other team, the team they'll be facing off, Richmond Indigenous Guernsey. So this is from richmondfc.com.au. Marlon Pickett, together with his partner, Jessica Nanump, have designed Richmond's 2022 Dreamtime Guernsey to be worn against Essendon for the return of Dreamtime at the G. The story on the Puma May jumper represents Marlon, Jessica, and their young family moving from Perth to Melbourne for the start of their Richmond journey and pays tribute to each Indigenous player at the club. Marlon's family totem, the Karak, a red-tailed black cockatoo, is represented as uh, flying on the design to signify the family's move across Australia. The Karak is seen flying across Perth Swan River on the jumper, representing where Marlon and Jessica's ancestors fought. Um, Again, I just encourage everyone to please go to the links, read read the articles in full because all of these ones do describe all of the um, elements of the artwork. Um, thoughts, guys? Worth noting um, that Marlon would be, I think, the third or fourth Noongar man or Noongar artist that you mentioned to have designed uh, designed apparel, Indigenous apparel on this episode. So Noongar people uh, from Western Australia, obviously, where I come from. So pretty impressive. A lot of, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I don't love the sort of rigidness of containing the artwork within the sash. Um, you look at the, there's some cool stuff going on the back with the cockatoo and some other stuff, but it sort of loses me a bit when that artwork's contained within that, that Richmond sash, I guess. Yeah, fully agree. The The back looks looks fantastic, but yeah, again, you'd sort of like to see it over the edges like the one we just talked about with Essendon. Um, okay, I think that cleans us up for the AFL jumping over now to NRL this is from cowboys.com.au the 2022 indigenous jersey features the unique design by indigenous artist Margaret Ma entitled my journey my way Margaret's design is also featured on the 2022 NRL Cowboys house polo and associated program apparel we as indigenous people have an affiliation to the land and to our water our journey through life is influenced by those affiliations our journey we encounter so many who love guide teach and influence us some of us walk in the footsteps of others some choose their own path others walk together and very often our journey is a little bit of each my journey my way is a celebration of the journey we embark on from the moment we are born to the time we become the ancestors guiding our people another great one guys yeah 
Yeah, I can probably speak a little bit to this, not quite a elusive exclusive, but um, just a bit of insight into how this came about. <laughs> and you guys are laughing as we're just doing our second take where I've referenced that, uh, that tagline. But uh, I'm often complimentary of, of, you know, how the North Queensland Cowboys operate and, you know, some of their programs and whatnot and the, the way they do, you know, all things Indigenous-related is no exception. Um, you know, they've obviously got the Cowboys house up there, which is doing great things. But um, just how prepared they are and how engaged with the artists they are and stuff like that. A lot of teams I work with, it's quite a rush to get these Indigenous jerseys off the ground. Um, I reckon the Cowboys, I've probably got sent the canvas like September, October last year, which is madness. A lot of clubs wouldn't see that until, you know, probably February, March. Um, so I've had a bit of an affinity with this design. As soon as it arrived, I thought, man, this is awesome. Like these colors, that sort of aquary color and then the salmon sort of coral colors just look so great. Um, went through a heap of sort of, rend- uh, you know, a heap of sort of renditions and options. The big issue we had is that we were so prepared and we got samples and it all looked great. And then that was all done before the NRL actually released their fixture. So we had to revisit it and add a heap more white and obviously the Cowboys are playing away. So um, it wasn't quite what it originally intended to be, but I still think it's perhaps one of my favourite Indigenous designs that I've worked on. Yeah, I really like the colours there, that that coral kind of colour that's being used into the teals uh, or whatever you want to call them, aquamarines into the their classical navy. Yeah, it's really fresh. Nick? Oh, just as the designer kit, how much do you say do you get in sort of the colours and the the fades and, and all of that? Um, in terms of colours and, and stuff like well, how much How much experimentation are you allowed to do? Yeah, I wouldn't be playing around with colours and stuff um, unless specifically asked to. Um, obviously in terms of the white that was added in after the fact, so that was, that was a, a force change more than anything, but you know, these bright colors, um, you know, they were provided by the artist. The, the only time you would be playing with colors if, is if you're making it tonal, um, as sort of a, you know, a, a deliberate decision, whether you have it tonal through the body or behind yeah. logos and stuff like that. So. Um, I think people would be surprised at how much, uh, not creative direction, but how much flexibility we are given to incorporate on a jersey. Um, and I think I've sh- shared some concepts with you guys that sort of provide a bit of a scope on, you know, the different ways you can incorporate that Indigenous art. And then, you know, you might present three or four options to the club and they'll liaise with the original artist and say, yeah, we like that or, could we see it more through the sleeves or through the body? So, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's something we've come across, Mason, is with with Firebirds, the, the design we couldn't sort of move around and touch and, and stuff. The, all the other elements sort of had to stay where they were. Uh, yeah, in the past. Um, yeah. We have, yeah, we have... Um, We'll talk about it. I'm really excited, actually, because Indigenous Round for SSN is not too far away. Um, yep. And, yeah, I I think I've mentioned to you guys I've worked on the Indigenous Round 
uh, artwork for Firebirds. So we'll probably jump into that a hell of a lot more when it, yeah. when it comes. But I do know the rules that they placed on the 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 artwork that they've had in the previous years um, was very limiting. I think around the applications and and where things would go. But let's let's yeah let's chat that chat more about that in maybe mm, three or four weeks. Yeah, yeah. And how do you get the art at the moment, Kit? I know in the past it was sort of a a canvas that you have to get vectorized it is it getting to a point where the designs can come already sort of almost at a finished point or i have been provided with vector artwork in the past i think that's yeah. quite rare though i'd say S- still the Maybe. canvas style yeah yeah canvas or photos of a canvas the cowboys yeah. are really good like i said they typically send down the original canvas and then um yeah. we'll redraw it and vectorize it as you know and then send it back to the artist to approve. So um, it would be nice if we got them all pre-vected, but yeah. unfortunately not the case. Definitely spent many of hours in the past <laughs> just replicating Indigenous canvases, taking photos, yeah. trying to get things to scale, and, you, you know, you want to do it justice. Yeah. The biggest, the biggest thing I have at the moment is there's a lot of Indigenous art where the dots are just circles, you know, there's no imperfections about them or no mm. level of texture to them or like that. Yeah, this, that's something I always try to do eh, is, you know, 15 or 20 different shaped circles that you can use. Or from, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and dare I say it, perhaps a little bit of a comeback for Parramatta. So this is from paraeels.com.au. The Parramatta Eels are proud to unveil their 2022 Indigenous jersey designed by contemporary Aboriginal artist Sheen Kinchella, uh, sorry, Sean Kinchella, a proud, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm not familiar with this one, Gamilari, Gamilari, Gamilari. And we're a Jura man who tells stories passed down from his family through art. The design is inspired by the Baramat. Tagal people, the local clan known to have settled into Parramatta. The meeting place represents some of Sydney's clan groups who interacted and used the Parramatta River as a means of living, from their Darug people who made camp with Greater Western Sydney to the Tungagal people who lived within the area of Tungabi. Aboriginal people had a close and significant relationship with the Parramatta River for thousands of years. The eel in the centre of the jersey represents the river, which was used as a food source, cultural practice grounds, and a means of transport. Aboriginal people lived off the ocean and rivers um, sustainably for thousands of years. Hit, thoughts on Parramatta's? I don't mind it. Um, This is a good example of not having those, you know, perfect circles and stuff like that thought there's a real organic feel to this mm-hmm. looks like you know they've put the work in um not a huge fan of that text front and center the paramatagal text mm-hmm. um one thing i will note a little bit of a pet peeve of mine considering how many times i've butted heads with the nrl but that nrl badge being navy is actually an incorrect execution of how it should be the amount of times we've been picked up on uh, on that sort of thing. So the NRL badge needs to sit on the colour that it is, even if it's ever so slightly. 
So they could have done that badge royal, gold or white, um, not navy. So I don't know how that snuck past NRL approvals. What about the Telst- NRL Telstra Premiership text underneath? Should that have a background on it, a contour of some form? No. So I could actually, um, and I think I will at one point go into a bit of a feud I had with the NRL when this branding was released. Um, so initially it came out that that text could be white or cool grey one. And I said, um, and they said no outlines or anything like that. And I said, well, can you have a black version or a, <clears throat> sorry, or a navy version? Which they said, no, it can be cool grey one or white. Which, you know, if you've got a super light jersey design, it just gets completely lost and you lose any contrast. So it makes no sense at all. A real pet peeve of mine. I remember I was actually working on a Penrith Panthers nines jersey and the whole design was white and cool grey one jagged lines Mm. through it. And I remember sending it to the inner and going, guys, is want to do? So um, post that, they actually said, oh, it can be live now if you don't help at all so just uh the nrl doing nrl things <laughs> yeah uh bugs me also the lending association doesn't have any contouring around it as well on the, the, the yeah <laughs> the upper collarbone sternum uh not sternum upper collarbone area yeah uh nick what's your thought mate? well macron usually do a pretty good job with the eels don't they that um anzac jersey was a bit of a miss but they're back to <laughs> Back to doing a good job with this one. Um, yep. Yeah, like you say, the the organic circles and, and, and different things. Um, really love the line work along the fin of the eel and then also in the circular, yeah. um, oh, well, I don't know what they are, circular portions of the eel as well. Yeah. Yeah, just really shows detail. the, um, the yeah. level of detail that's gone into the art. Yeah, perhaps a lot of attention into this and a lot of last-minute attention to the Anzac one. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for a grain fade, so that sort of area around the boomerang shape on the chest, um, I really like that area of the jersey with the dots in behind as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, South Sydney Rabbitohs Indigenous jersey. So, uh, again, I'll premise the link is in the... the um, show description um the link there is a video i think it's about nine minutes long and talks to um Cody walker and a few of the other players i think latrell mitchell might be in there as well around the art um the artwork um they mentioned the birthing tree which symbolizes mother their mother um real heavy focus on their their mothers um with these players and, and this artwork uh the river represents their journeys um, it has their totems on there for the players uh, and their connection to the land. So um, wanted to get your thoughts, Kit, on the design itself. Yeah, I love it, eh? Rabbitohs have typically, I've said this a few times this podcast, but they've typically done well with these uh, Indigenous designs. So credit where credit's due. Um, I think they've done a great job, actually. I like the, uh, I think the MG logo's got a, Sorry, let me clear my throat. <clears throat> I think the MG logo's got like a uh, almost like an outer glow around it, um, making it a little bit more visible rather than I could be wrong there. Um, it's a thick contour. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it looks good. Um, 
noted on the top back they've got an indigenous rabbitoes logo which is cool i like that yeah um and i mean we are in the business of this this is going to sound a little petty but the uh, indigenous colors on the sleeve annoy me a little bit i feel like it should always be black uh black yellow red given the, the what the flag looks like yeah i know why they've done it that way because it obviously <laughs> sits on a black background but um just doesn't quite look right and i I'd imagine 99.99% of people wouldn't pick up on that or it wouldn't irk them. But, yeah, that's my thoughts. Nick? I think it's good that they've got both colours on either cover, both flag colours with the Torres Strait flag on the right sleeve. Um, I don't know if I fully agree. Like this one, probably one of my um, lower on the ones we've talked about so far in terms of just my liking for it. But... No, there's a lot of different um, symbols and details there that, you know, it's good to see different things coming into the designs. Um, Maybe the stroking is a little bit sort of skinny for me on on some of it, but other than that, it's it's nice. Yeah. From my perspective, um, and I know that we talk about sponsors play the bill, pay the bills, and, you know, we hear a lot of comments in the forums around complaining about sponsors and the integration of them, etc., I really, I think, would have liked if there was some way that MG could be incorporated differently into this mm. one. I feel like that um, that core element there, the tree, um, is just you know significantly hidden by the M- MG logo. Um, and that's another one where it's been designed without the knowledge of the sponsor logo probably being there right yeah and, and who really knows in the background maybe there were conversations and it didn't yeah. happen or, or whatever else um but yeah from a design point of view um yeah uh, aesthetically it's probably not my favorite just from a personal preference point of view but the detailing and yep. some of the artwork and the you know the totems and even that splash of color mm. with the blue in there as well as you know linking with their, their greens and reds and and the black base really helps as well so yeah, and yeah, I actually really like the um, indigenous representation of the bunny as well. I thought that was really, really cool. And I think, as I said earlier, when we were talking about Nam, um, and when you raised it with the Western Force, probably something that we'll see a little bit more of over the next few years is a indigenous version, complete version of teams logos. Okay, I think this is the last one, um, and then we pr- probably have to wind this stuff up. So, Gold Coast Titans Indigenous Jersey. The Gold Coast Titans uh, via titans.com.au 2022 Indigenous Jersey has been launched today, celebrating 15 years of the Titans. Tit- titled Feel the Energy, the brightly colored piece symbolizes the culmination of 15 years of the Gold Coast Titans, reflecting on the past and looking to the future. Uh, as mentioned, there's a whole lot of details um, around um, the individual elements in the link here. Um, that's included in the design, um, sorry, the show description um, where we're looking at uh, turtle, which is a food source for many Torres Strait Islander peoples who live on the islands and also family groups on the mainland, stingrays, which are found uh, found in many Gold Coasts. Uh, oh, what's that word? Me English, not so good. Uh, S- Estuaries, is that like waterways? Yeah, yeah. Um, including the Rangan and Kuma River and the Talabadra and Kurumban Creeks. 
Dolphins can often be seen from the local beaches. The dolphin is a special animal to many Aboriginal people, often associated with the human spirit. Um, the list goes on there. I think there's about four or five additional um, symbols, which you're welcome to go and view uh, through the links there. Uh, we'll start with you, Nick, and then Kit, why don't you finish us off ch chatting about this one? Yeah, this one we might have saved the best to last. I don't know. Um, again, like you say, the the water theme that's come through this year, I think Gold Coast is probably the perfect team to sort of follow that theme. Um, the colours of the Titans work great with, with this design. Um, the detail in it is, is crazy, so... Well done to the Titans and, and obviously well done to our Perth boy to put it all together. <laughs> yeah, I uh, before I let you break it all down, Kit, I, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this one as well. I, probably not my favourite of, of the list that we've gone through today, um, but I can see here there's probably a lot of effort in that. You work, you've been working with a canvas on it, so uh, I imagine that, yeah, you'll you'll talk about a bit more um but yeah the the detailing the colors yeah big fan yeah um this was another one i got the uh the canvas and the canvas was probably one of my favorite pieces of artwork that i that i'd seen or received i think there's a, an image of it in that link you can actually see the canvas it's just amazing like the colors and the bold designs and it was just it was done at a very high level so super excited to you know have a play and give some options and, and play around uh when i was working on it, i found that it didn't really translate that well to the jersey um most of the key elements were got lost and and stuff like that so we had to tinker around a little bit and i was a little bit worried that you know the end product wasn't going to be as good if you can sort of look and you see that it's almost tiled the design. You can see the seam lines if you if you yeah. you have a look, um, and even more evident on the replica and the larger sizes. You can sort of see where it doesn't marry up that well and on the long side of the side panels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I was a little bit concerned with how that was going to be, uh, and then I got the photos of the, the the end product, and you know, I was in love with it. Like I know internally, our guys think it's. It's awesome. I think the Titans are really happy with it. So um, one thing I will note is you can see the the, the gold cover stitch. Uh, I'm usually very against having that contrast. I think going back maybe 10, 12 years ago, it was a big thing like your Canterbury's and your, I think maybe even your BLKs were doing the contrast stitches and stuff like that. And I just thought, no, nah, I'd rather make it tonal. But Titans pushed to have that. They thought it looked cool and Credit where it's due. It, I think it, it actually works on this. We're talking combined the, with the flat lock. Sorry, mate. You're talking the flat lock along the um, sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it works yeah, I think well it's with a good the addition. Yeah, sub piping around the collar. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a, a nice design. And then we've got the bands on the side there that you um, that we were just talking about before with the rabbitos. Can I, can I just circle all the way back now to what we were talking about with the reds, like? If we were to put the reds one up and this one up together, I think we can both say, you know, they're littered with, you know, the the dot artwork that is you know, renowned with Indigenous art. In my mind, and perhaps, you know, this is me overthinking what I was talking about earlier, this is an example of where I see the dots have worked well and been executed in a way that's just not 
uh, entirely overpowering. Perhaps it's the size of them or it's the integration of the symbols as well. But when we compare what we're looking at here to what we're looking at with the reds, I think it's just from a visual representation only, excluding all of the, the story-related stuff, um, this has been executed a hell of a lot better in my, in my eye. And I think another thing we mentioned earlier was the colour really helps the execution as well. So that's probably another thing between the reds and this one that, that helps out. I agree with both points. I think in particular the size of the dots. Um, yeah, it almost it's almost like, you know, there's more detail in this one which allows the dots to be smaller and, and whatnot, whereas the, the reds one, it's almost just too big. Not enough going on, so you've got to enlarge it to build the space. space. Yeah. yeah. Um. A little detail, I'm not sure if it's mentioned in here, but um, on the inner hem at the bottom, all Indigenous players are listed. So on the replica jerseys, you, you'll see that. And then I think the f ooh, five captains or something are inside the back neck collar. Yeah. So um, mm -hmm. a couple of cool little details. I like the little detail at the back of the collar as well with the animal symbols there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice finishing touch. Yeah. Nice little touch. Yeah. All using the Ecotech, mate. All using e Ecotech, of course, mate. And uh, is it <laughs> interesting to see a dolphin on a Titans jersey, considering they very well could have been the Dolphins? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> Question on actually on the back, just on a technical side, with the the built-in tracker there, mm. you don't seem to have issues putting the logos over the seams of the tracker and stuff. Whereas I've seen, for example, the super rugby jerseys, I think the sponsors and logos are of oh, sponsors and the number are too low on the back because they seem to want to bring them below the tracker. I was looking at the Highlander Highlanders jersey from last night and it's the logo sits so low. Yeah. Like that top back one man is has to be like yeah. thirty centimeters from the back of the neck. It's crazy. It's almost down by the underarm, eh? And yeah. I, as far as I can see, I think it well I don't know why they've done it, but I think it must have something to do with the tracker positioning. But, yeah, this just shows it can be done. I try and avoid having a stitch in GPS tracker. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of versions. Of, I've developed a, a new one recently, but uh, our GPS pockets are bonded in. So they're glued in. There's no stitching, yeah. which is nice. Um, and then one of our teams. It's always a nice look at. Yeah, one of our teams prefer not to have that so they've just got a hang hanging tracker um yep. yeah i don't think it's too nice when you have sponsor logos or, or club emblems you know intersected by the stitching of a gps tracker well i think we saw that in the uh rabbitos one right the the indigenous represented rab rabbito logo on the back um for the the player issues anyway the gps trackers uh stitching in there cuts through it I think you can see it if you watch the uh, video. Yeah, that looks a little messy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Classic things. Guys, I think we'll, we'll probably have to skip the jersey review this week. We've gone incredibly well over on this oh, one already. But I have one prepared. Oh, sorry. is it? <laughs> you can save it for next week, mate. Sorry. <laughs> um, look, we'd, we'd like to hear everyone's thoughts. So uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the in Indigenous round items that have been released this week? Um, any any NFT news that we should be hearing about from you guys, let Kit know. Make sure you tag him. 
Um, what's your favorite design? Is it Lucive? <laughs> is, is that even it? I don't know. Kit Lucive Lucive at fieldofdesign.gmail. <laughs> um, yeah, what are your experiences with Castor? What are your thoughts on uh, the Jack Jumpers um, name being brought across into the AFL as well? Please let us know. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can uh, send us an email at fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com or via our Instagram at fieldofdesignpodcast. Uh, this is from Kate Tuvey via Instagram on the UCF Knights QR code jerseys. How do the refs call a penalty if they don't have a number? Nick? Great point, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, the backs have numbers, don't they? And, oh, no, the front have numbers and the back have um, the QR code, so I think they'll be okay. But, yeah, Kate, a good friend of ours, Mason. Um, good to hear her reaching out. Yeah, thanks, Kate. Um, <laughs> Cam Selby via Instagram on the 2022 49ers going back to the three stripes. Yes, sir. Should never have gone to the two stripes. So big fan there. Um, yep. The jersey, the underscore jersey underscore draw via Instagram on the call out uh, for the weirdest jersey designs. Uh, Bedale FC or Bedale FC are famous for their weird ones. My personal favorite is the sausage sandwich one, which I think yeah, so that's the kid. one we. That's the the one that I showed you. Um, there was another one mentioned there. What what? Was that one? Yeah, I left that out in case you wanted to use it, so I didn't go looking. Didn't go looking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Rick FSC via Instagram on the call out of the weirdest jerseys. F- oh, this might be it here. F- oh, that's FC it. Yeah, yeah. of eighteen nineteen fourth lucky carpet kit. She's a good one. So we might um, have a look at that at some point. And Sports Jersey Collective via Instagram on the Notre Dame uh, 2016 Shamrock Series design. The color combo is very nice. The detail and simplicity of the features make it a tribute jersey done right. So, uh, yeah, I I think we we really couldn't agree more on that. I think the the helmet design really got me. Um, Just the the level of design and and the art in that. That airbrush look was so cool, eh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we might have to call it there, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would, uh, if you like what you're hearing, please remember to subscribe. Feel free to share our podcast with your friends or your enemies, uh, whoever may be interested. Uh, to continue uh, to grow the show, uh, uh, continuing to grow the show will enable us to produce more content across more platforms and have a greater access to some of our industry's best professionals and guests on our show. Um, you can be part of that growth by infiltrating the almighty algorithm and leaving us a review and some stars on your preferred podcast app. How many stars, Kit? Five, brother. All of them, uh, mm-hmm. at least. We have been putting the feelers out, um, starting to build a, a list of contacts and um, guests for the show. Uh, obviously, a lot of that stuff relies on their time, our time. We're all full-time professionals here, some with kids, some without. So we will make that happen. But what I would premise is it's the listenership. We want to grow our listenership. Um, and so the more people, the more audience that we can get, um, the better chances are that we have of convincing some of these um professionals and special places to come on board so uh finish uh, i'd like to finish by shouting out to my co-hosts and jersey boys nick and kit thank you for putting aside your saturday mornings to um it's a chat to, to your chat boys today. <laughs> and i just cramped up halfway through the episode so um 
got a rub yeah, down feeling, and came back. Feeling good after my game last night. <laughs> And um, big thank you also to Dugabees for editing today's podcast. What a guy. And a guy. Um, yeah, let's see what um, what comes up for next week's show, guys. Thank you so much. Catch you, you later. Shout out to our friends at the Aussie Jersey Watch podcast. They had some nice words to say about oh, us yeah, good on in the recent episode. So we love those fellas. Oh, yes, our good rivals. <laughs> our good rivals, our good friendly friends. rivals. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to listen. Thanks, guys. Well, boys. I'm uh, windswept and underslept. <laughs>